Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello and welcome to yet another, <laughs> yet another Lynn Cullen Live show. Uh, it is August 4th, 2021, and... Um, I guess the big news has been Governor Cuomo in New York, the report coming out, which is about as damning as uh, one could have anticipated, and um, and his, of course, refusal to uh, own up to any of the behavior uh, put forth in this long, long report, uh, which is typical of him and his style, uh, his style being abusive, <clears throat> intimidating. <clears throat> I remember seeing there are a lot of people in positions of leadership who've literally been taught by somebody who mentored them that the proper way to lead is to instill fear. Um, <clears throat> there are a lot of uh, parents who who take that to heart in terms of uh, child rearing. The only way that you have authority is to instill fear. It is not such an uncommon belief. And I suspect that uh, most people who've been out in the world working have, and of a certain age, have definitely encountered uh, such a boss. Um, I can think of, of one in particular here in Pittsburgh who, I, who left me stunned. You know, open-mouthed in disbelief at watching him instill fear through humiliation. And humiliation doesn't work unless there's an audience. So any any boss who would, um, you know, dress down an employee in front of others – is one of these people intent the intent is not just to humiliate the one employee but to uh clearly announce to all other employees that this could be them tomorrow uh it is this sense and it's not just men but it is a masculine kind of construct there are women uh, bosses who have learned this kind of behavior as well. I'm not saying that, you know, my belief way back in my early years uh, when feminism was really just starting to kick in to gear, my belief and the belief of so many other women, and I'm sure this is still the case, is that if women could just get in, uh, this kind of toxic, masculine uh, model 
could be put to put to rest. And that's not necessarily true because one of the ways that women, especially initially, got uh, into leadership roles was to out-masculine the men and to take on all of those kinds of characteristics. I've told you that I did it um, in one respect in, in terms of my, my language that I had never been somebody who swore a lot. But as soon as I got into uh, television, into a newsroom, uh, the only woman surrounded by nothing but men um, who clearly enjoyed uh, their efforts to upset me. And the only way I could figure to push back was not only not to rise to the bait ever, but to sort of join them. And that's when my, my language became, well, the language that you sometimes hear from me, where I just can't, um, it became a new way of talking. This sort of, again, this masculinized, uh, tough, what my mother used to say, language that would make what? A sailor blush. It's going to be interesting to watch uh, Cuomo come down because come down he will. And um, one wonders um, if anyone can get to him to tell him that it there's no way out, <laughs> the only way out, and the 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 <clears throat> the classy way out, the way out that gives him some wiggle room down the road is for him to uh, resign immediately. I can't see him doing it, but so um, all this now, you know, ends up with the state legislature, which is uh, overwhelmingly a democratic led legislature. It won't help him one bit. They can uh, certainly impeach him uh, once. And, and, and that could happen as quickly as next month where he's impeached and out and uh, that would then elevate the uh, lieutenant governor of the state of New York to uh, this position. Uh, I don't, can't think of her name, but it is a her, uh, which somehow seems fitting. <laughs> so I don't know that I have um, anything to say, although there is also, for those of us of a certain age, women, who've been in uh, traditionally male employment um, throughout our working lives, through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and aughts. Um, it is stunning to read these accounts and, um, and to now see the reaction to the governor's behavior. And to realize that it was just a normal day at the office back then in the 70s. I mean, it's hard for me, and I, I think I've shared this with you before, to sometimes even see the, yeah, so what's the problem here? <laughs> yeah, so he uh, he looked at your breasts. Yeah, he's a guy. 
Yeah, so he, uh, you know, put his hand on your back and sort of, so what? Women of my generation uh, tolerated this behavior. There were no, it wasn't even recognized as bad behavior. (laughs) So in that respect, you know, we sometimes fail in our anguish to note the progress that we have made. Uh, And in my lifetime, there has been extraordinary progress made in changing how most people, or even if that's not true, in changing what is considered uh, proper behavior. And even if most people really haven't signed on, they still comport themselves at this new level that's been set. I'm thinking actually of uh, even in racial issues of, again, how there has been progress obviously made in my lifetime uh, in terms of opportunity and lots of things for black Americans. And we can forget that progress as we are treated to, you know, video after video and anecdote after anecdote of how black Americans are still treated. And the, the, what, what's interesting is prior to Trump, those, the, the racists, the just out and out racists among us had been relatively silenced, certainly in, in, in most venues, because the, 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 the culture set a, a, new, a, a, a new bar, a new standard. <laughs> you can't say that. You can't ask that. You can't all of these things, and some of it codified into uh, law. But as has been said by those who have often opposed any progress in the way humans are expected to comport themselves and to be considered civilized, it's often said that you can, okay, make it a law, but you cannot legislate people's minds. And that's true. And so when the country elected this God, please help me here. This, I mean, help me not to just go off on a string of uh, invective adjectives. Um, This white nationalist, let's just leave it at there. When the country elected a white nationalist after it had twice elected a black man, that not only said something, but it also released the pent-up feelings of having been silenced by all the people who we now see just blatantly advertising their hatefulness and their bigotry. So I don't know what I'm saying. It's it's depressing. And the other thing I've been thinking about Cuomo 
uh, again, has to do with me being old enough to remember his father, who also was the governor of New York, Mario. Or was it Mario? It was always Mario until, in my head, until a certain guy named Lemieux came to town and pronounced it Mario. But um, I think we had said Mario Cuomo, which might not have been right. He seemed so, he seemed like a good man. And I say seemed now, he seemed contemplative and intellectual. And, you know, some people just desperately wanted him to run for the presidency. And his son, Andrew, grew up idolizing him and working with him and for him. And so I'm now left to wonder if the Cuomo I had looked up to maybe was not the person I think he was and that his son would have had to learn how to be governor from him probably, but I don't know, but it's made me wonder if, uh, the son, Andrew, saw the father uh, in that leadership role and decided to model his his behavior after his father. You wonder. Or it could be that his father would be appalled. Could be. Don't know. Okay, someone's a calling, so let's let you in. Hello there. Hello. Hello. I'm just saying. What do you mean they hung up? They just called. Excuse me, Kevin. I wasn't screaming at you. I finally see someone called almost contemporaneously. I take the call and they friggin' hung up. Jesus. Okay. I think I'm done with Cuomo. There was one quote I saw from, it's from the report, one of the women. And this is the one that just, that got to me. Um, because again, it shows, I mean, even looking at it at the Olympics, how women, um, you know, functioning at that highest level of, uh, sport, um, still have more to deal with than their male counterparts. They have all the physical stuff, all the, you know, the pressure, all that expectation and, and this and that, but they also have this damn misogyny. You know, the male gymnasts don't have to put on fake eyelashes before they go out and do this athletic act. The male sprinters don't wear eyelashes and long lacquered nails. Um, Maybe some of that is the women actually wanting to do that, but I doubt that. They've been conditioned. (laughs) Um, 
to understand that they are not just to be considered athletic, superior athletic specimens, but to be considered sex objects as well. So here's a, a, one of the accusers of uh, Cuomo, a woman named Lindsay Boylan. And when she was uh, questioned by the investigators, she said this. And, you know, it, she's a young woman, and I can imagine. See, I didn't have this awareness. I didn't know that what was happening to me was something that shouldn't happen. I really didn't know that. I just thought that was, you know, part and parcel of being a woman. And it is. Here's Lindsay Boylan's remarks. It was deeply humiliating. I was really senior and I had worked my whole life to get to a point where I would be taken seriously. And I wasn't being taken seriously. And I worked so hard to be some little doll for the governor of New York. And that was deeply humiliating. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's, that's all I have on that. If you've got anything, come on through. Although I'll be less willing to believe you're really there. I understand things can happen. Anyway, <clears throat> let's now move on to um, the other big story, which is uh, the new surge. You know, if you look at the graphs for our our shared journey through this pandemic, you know, and it starts out, you know, sort of low and then starts creeping up. And then you have that mountainous, those mountainous peak that lasts, you know, forever. And then slowly, slowly starts coming down. And then... You know, just a month or so ago, two months ago, it was like back down, like almost flat on the bottom of the graph. And now if you look at the graph, a new mountain is being born. Up we go. It's a, And it's still going up. So. Some things I've learned since last we spoke. I mentioned uh, this before because I was I was incredulous that UPMC and as far as I knew, AGH, our two biggest health uh, hospital systems had not instituted uh, 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 that vaccine mandate for their for their employees during a pandemic <clears throat> you go to a hospital and for all you know you're going to get infected there by one of the hospital's employees 
who doesn't believe in vaccines. We find out a lot of healthcare workers don't believe in vaccines and, in fact, are there extending the horror. And around the country, you see more and more and more and more hospitals, astoundingly, not having done it before now, mandating. Um, There's whole states where you see, uh, you know, really large um, COVID uh, mandates. Um, Because, you know, in most cases, these these are private employers. They have the authority. They have the right. If an employee doesn't like it, they can leave. But as of an hour ago, I happen to know it's a fact that UPMC is not mandating that their employees be vaccinated. And I just find that breathtakingly irresponsible and astonishing. The new CEO, this, I don't know her name yet since Darth Vader has, uh, has left. Um, I can't think of what her name is. I'll know it soon enough. She's quoted as saying in this corporate speak that people like her learn, we continue to ensure our employees are wearing masks and that our patients are as safe as possible in all of our facilities. That's a lie. That's a flat out lie. You know it, I know it. Because your patients, miss, are not as safe as they could possibly be in one of your facilities because you refuse to mandate that all of the people they encounter in your employ are vaccinated. So that is bull, as is so often the case of anything put in this kind of lingo. We continue to ensure our employees are wearing masks, la-di-da, and that our patients are as safe as possible, as possible. I wish she were here now because I would flat out tell her that lady is bullshit. On its face. Thank you, Kevin. That lady's name is Leslie Davis. I hope she has a little more personality than Darth Vader, but uh, odds are she wouldn't have been elevated to the position she is by him if she wasn't essentially a clone. A clone in a skirt. Is that sexist, what I just said? Maybe. You know, when men behave, you know, like men, 
they at least have the excuse of being men. When women behave like men in the worst ways, <laughs> model after them, uh, they don't have that excuse. I don't think. Kurt says, what? City Paper is running a Best of Pittsburgh contest. And one of the categories is Best Podcast. And they got a, they got a, like a, you know, a bunch of possibles you can vote for. And I'm not one of them. So Kurt said, it's running a Best of Pittsburgh podcast and left you out? WTF. As you know, means what the fuck. Well, Kurt, I've never heard of any of these podcasts. And I'm not going to say their names because why should I give them any free publicity? However, my guess is I have been left out. Oh, Kevin is telling me. Ah, sure, Kevin. Be an apologist for the paper. Uh, my producer, Kevin, is saying that readers create the list, not the paper. Well, now, what does that tell you about the paper's promotion of this podcast? <laughs> Although, technically, you see, this is not a podcast. That's My problem is, our problem is, is I am not, a, I am a unique, uh, this is unique. There's not any of these podcasts that are live and take phone calls, I suspect. If that's not true, then I should be on this list. But quite clearly, if I didn't even get nominated by the readers, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to win it. And I thought the reason was, and, and it's a legitimate reason. Um, my guess, even if the paper had decided who would be on the ballot, um, is that we're a newspaper, a city paper uh, that sponsors this, is a newspaper. And the one thing newspapers don't like to do is appear to, um, you know, in a case like this, to put their own product up uh, would be seen as not kosher, I think. That's my guess. Um, yeah, that's my guess. So not to worry. I don't care. It's okay. In my, in my long past in, uh, Pittsburgh, I have, uh, I have been on many of these, uh, lists. <laughs> I can't remember. There was one. Was it Pittsburgh Magazine, or was it the precursors of Pittsburgh City Paper inside Pittsburgh? I don't know. But there was one one year. This is when I'm on the radio, where I um, I won, I think, most loved Pittsburgh radio personality. And I won most hated Pittsburgh radio personality, which is so wonderful. I mean, that's a that would be a, that's a feather in the cap of of any person in broadcasting. It means that you know 
<laughs> they might not like you, but they're uh, they're aware of you. But those days are long gone. Um, speaking of so 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 UPMC, this it just so pisses me off. Uh, Pittsburgh City Paper, meanwhile, reports that there are uh, two restaurants on the north side that uh, starting today won't let you in the door if you cannot prove to them you're vaccinated. And the way they require proof is, yeah, show them your, your card. And then I think they even ask for identification so that they know the card is, is, is yours. And, you know, that's a place I might want to go eat. I'll tell you what it is. Lola. Lola Bistro. Um, and another place called Leo. They're both owned by the same uh, people. Lola and Leo. That's not who owns them. The owner is uh, Michael Barnhouse and um, his wife, Yelena who doesn't get a last name in this. I assume it's, then why doesn't it just say his, the restaurants are owned by Michael and Yelena Barnhouse instead of Michael Barnhouse and his wife. You know what I mean? <laughs> now that I'm on looking at how women get, yeah, appended onto the guy. Anyway, God bless them, Michael and Lee Yelena. Um, because, they say, he says, he's just trying to protect his uh, patrons. He says, we got to pull the trigger on this. We got to protect the people in our neighborhood. That's our first priority. And he says that easily 70% of his customers are from the neighborhood, are from the north side. He knows a lot of them personally. He says a lot of them are older. Um, and he says it is, you know, we are doing this for the people we care about. And he says the trajectory of cases is too high not to take action. Hey, Leslie, whatever your name is again, I hate to tell you, you should listen to this guy who owns a restaurant. Okay. He's also the chef. The trajectory is too high not to take action. UPMC. Wow, dang it. So that's a restaurant I would go to because now I'm not going to be going to any restaurants uh, for some time. As far as City Paper knows, the only other Pittsburgh restaurant requiring vaccination to be allowed in is Abteca, Abtica, which is an Eastern European vegan restaurant in Bloomfield. Um, and that's as much as I know. The reality is, is that just 55% of residents of Allegheny County have been fully vaccinated. Now, I'm assuming that number includes children who can't be vaccinated. Um, and people 65 and older in Allegheny County, I mean, are almost totally vaccinated, say 99%. Um, 
And the people who are getting this Delta mostly and who are dying are young, 20s, 30s, 40s. And you can't pick up a newspaper now without reading some horrific story about the one I read today, a guy owned a gym in Florida, a bodybuilder in incredible condition, healthy as a horse. He didn't get vaccinated because he thought, what? I'm 36. I need to get vaccinated. I'm as strong as I can be. If I get the damn thing, I'll fight it off like a flu and be done with it. Well, he's been hospitalized now for a few weeks and he's sick as a dog in ICU and worrying about making it. And he's not alone. Hospital in Missouri reported a 21-year-old, healthy otherwise, no preconditions, not obese, diabetic, unvaccinated. That's the one thing they all have in common, unvaccinated, 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 and he's dead. So there's that. Um, why isn't the universe, I, you know, I'm reading this thing here about, uh, who can require you to be vaccinated because people are, you know, freaking out when the government tells them that my freedom, my freedom. When in fact, state and local governments have the right to order their employees to be, uh, vaccinated. And that goes back to 1905, a Supreme Court decision that had to do with smallpox. And the wise Supreme Court in that, where somebody was a guy named Jacobson, my rights, my rights, I don't want to be vaccinated. He's, the Supreme Court stated that it is totally legal and constitutional for states to require their residents to get smallpox vaccinations. Why do you think smallpox isn't a thing anymore? Yeah. So states can mandate vaccinations. Businesses like these restaurants can mandate vaccinations. An employer obviously can. The federal government has mandated that its workforce be vaccinated. A lot of states are requiring their state employees to do the same. I'm not aware that Pennsylvania is one of them. More than 500 colleges and universities have mandated that no student can come on campus unless they are vaccinated. And those include state systems, like the whole state system in California, which has to be probably the largest, the state system in Illinois, in Colorado, and in in New York. As for the state system here, meh. 
And while Carnegie Mellon is mandating, their students have to be vaccinated. Just a few steps down the road, University of Pittsburgh is not. And my understanding was, because it's a state-related, that it didn't have the ability to do that. This article suggests otherwise, so I'm, I'm not sure about that. And if I were a parent, I wouldn't want my kid going to a school that didn't mandate vaccinations. I would not. Tyson Foods, normally would not laud in any way, Tyson Foods has done something that a lot of others have not. It has informed its 120,000 employees around the United States that as a condition of employment, they must be vaccinated. Now, that's more than a lot have done. A lot have done it for their corporate workers, but not for their frontline workers, such as Walmart. So Walmart has mandated vaccinations for all its white-collar folks who don't necessarily interact with the public. And they are not mandating vaccinations for the, the people who stock the shelves, the, who check you out, all of that stuff. The very people who are most at risk of getting and spreading. And I ask you, what's up with that? It almost seems like protecting, again, their own against the, you know, the hoi polloi, the their grubby employees. I don't know if the fear is, is that they well know that so many of their employees are, you know, have been brainwashed that they would lose a ton of workers and find it difficult to, uh, you know, do business. And I suspect that's what's keeping a lot of these companies from doing it. But they are putting their profits over public health. And it's outrageous. Not unexpected, but outrageous. Meanwhile, back at the Olympics, don't expect. I have another caller. Hey, let's see if that one's here. Hello. 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 Yes. Yeah, I called you earlier. I I can't stay on the phone. Somebody calls me because I'll cut off and then I'll annoy you more. I see. I see. Okay. I yeah, realize you know that after that I squat and scream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, what I was going to say, what do these people do? They, they've they had some type of vaccination throughout their life. It, it, you go If you go in the medical field, you have to have TB, you have to have hepatitis series. You have to have all kind of like, that's mandated or you don't get the job. You can't be in that field. So it's just it's just the anti-government people, I think. I really believe that. I just, I don't understand the craziness of that. Well, I can't say that, uh, listen, I can't understand 
these people either. I mean, I've talked about that a lot. I just don't get it. They're they're scared and they're hanging on to some story that makes them feel more in power, I suspect. I don't know. And the fact is, is that there's different people for different reasons, I guess. But for them not to understand that nothing's scarier than getting the fucking disease that they think they think it's scary that uh, what the vaccine has not been totally signed off on by the FDA. That's not as scary as getting COVID and all these dying people in hospitals trying to tell you that with their last gasped breaths. If you don't believe them, well, I I don't know. Another thing I have right now that's really irritating me is how these Democratic people turn on the president. It happens every damn time. Yeah, yeah. They're just trying to turn on him. He's not doing this. Well, you don't got the majority, so what's your bitch? You got to have a big majority to get anything done. Take what you can get. That's what that James Carville was on the other night. He said, you got to take what you can get because you don't have a big majority. There's nothing you can do about that. You got as slim a majority as you can have. Nothing slimmer than 50-50. Yeah. Every time. I know. And Biden's such, when he gets up or he talks sensible, he's smart thinking. I think he's done a great job. I don't care what they say. I like the guy. I think he's good. I'm so happy he's in there instead of that pain in the ass we had. Something else I have to tell you, but I can't remember now. God, do I understand that. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, you, though. Thank you for calling back, too. Bye. Bye. Um, and I was I was saying, you know, speaking of the Olympics, which I wasn't wasn't really, but COVID, you know, if you watch the uh, the Olympics, they're not talking about COVID there, but um, it's incredible the number of uh, athletes and the people in this so-called Olympic bubble they've created for the athletes. Uh, what's the last number I saw? There have been 259 positive cases of coronavirus, and that just keeps going up uh, within the so-called Olympic zone. Um, and so there is no bubble there. It is an incredibly uh, so again, these athletes. So not only are they dealing with, I think what this comes down to is these Olympics should never have been held. And they certainly should not have been held in Tokyo in the summer. I didn't realize this. Tokyo in July and August is about as hot and hellish an environment as you can imagine. And the last time a Tokyo Olympics was held it was held in October. Those were the Summer Olympics. They were held in October because they knew that to ask the athletes to perform in these conditions was not conducive to their health. So these poor Olympians, God help them. Some of them have 
have had to uh, leave competition because of the weather, because they have heat stroke. One athlete was rolled off the court in a wheelchair to coming to the heat. And the thing is, is all this was known that this would be the kind of weather, that there would be this virus, deadly virus. But the reality is, as you know, big shocker here, shocker, spoiler alert, it's all about the money. The International Olympic Committee makes out like bandits. Most of their money coming from NBC and other broadcasters. And when they leave, they leave behind all of these venues that now will either just crumble in the dust. Why any country or city wants this to come to them, I don't know. We've read for years and years and years how the host cities are practically bankrupted by this. This article ends thusly. People are already calling these the pandemic games or the cursed games, the diseased games. But many here in Japan are actually waiting for them to be called over. Over. Yeah. Um, few little things. I'm I'm just trying to track my my time here. I'm reading the New York Times uh, this morning in bed, um, and I come upon this thing that's called a wire cutter, and I've seen it before, and it's um, but this one read like a promotion. It just flat out started selling a device uh, to kill mosquitoes. And in fact, here here's the first line. And this is, I, look, I went back and checked. Is this pro- a promoted thing? No, it's not. This is in the New York Times. And it says, to keep mosquitoes away from your deck or patio without slathering your skin in bug repellent, get the, and here it's underlined and you can go directly to it. It tells you how much it is on Amazon. Uh, the Thermacell E55 rechargeable mosquito repeller. And then they go on to talk about how it works, where you can get it. And if that's a little much, there's this one. I think, what is this doing in the Reagan Vermont New York Times? But I have to tell you, it made me question something because I've been getting bitten um, in my backyard and I love nothing more in the summer than being in my backyard. And uh, I, the mosquitoes can like, you know, chase me out of it. I react very strongly to a mosquito bite. I get, I don't get just a little welt, a little bump. I get something that looks like a baseball. Um, and so I really try desperately to uh, to avoid it. And I've looked online for ways to kill mosquitoes. But here's my question, and I'm asking you this, and 
how these, okay, these things apparently spew out a pesticide um, but here's the thing how does it know what little critter flying by is a mosquito and what one is something else that doesn't bother me do we ever ask those questions so I have never gotten one of these things because my assumption is and please tell me I'm Incorrect. It'd be great if these things actually went just for mosquitoes. But how is that possible? So if they're diffusing some kind of pesticide into the air to kill these flying critters, I'm not sure that they would be, you know, not killing much more than mosquitoes. And also, it means I'm breathing the crap in. Can that be good? Do we ever ask ourselves these questions when we, I mean, I just think that we do so much damage to nature. So much damage. Unthinking. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. You know, when I'm walking the dog and And he might start sniffing around on one of those perfect, perfect green carpet lawns. I almost always, if I'm being conscientious and pull, I pull him off. I say, no, poison lawn, poison lawn. And I, I have so come to hate poisoned lawns. I I don't look, if you have a green carpet lawn with no nary a weed in sight, I don't look at that lawn and say, oh, how beautiful. What a pretty picture. I look at it and feel anger. I look at it as like a killing field. Because the only way you're getting that green carpet is by killing hosts of wild life that live in the grass and under that grass that feed the birds. And this is what humanity does just so they can have keep up with the Joneses or something or have the pleasure of, for some reason, I know people get off. I'm looking at their totally green carpeted lawn. And this is one of those things that I would so love to have a big media campaign so that it becomes socially irresponsible to have that lawn unless you're out there physically picking every every intruding uh, piece of vegetation out yourself 
But if you're getting that lawn by having, by applying poison, then I think there should be a sense of shame attached to it. I know I'm getting some of your goats now. I know I am, but I mean this. And I kept on my mother for years about this because she had such a lawn. And finally got through to her. And you know what? For the last two years, she has not allowed any pesticides on her lawn. And you know what? It still looks great. It looks fine. And you know what she's noticed? I have so many birds in the yard. I just... Uh, they're everywhere. I see, and she's taking such pleasure. She hadn't been seeing them because the birds know. The birds know at the killing field. These humans look at it and swoon with delight. All right, that's my diatribe for the day. I've been wanting to say this and I just so hope before it's too late. It's probably already too late. We're just killing everything in our path. Unthinkingly, Barbara sends this. The physician-in-chief at Children's Hospital in New Orleans says, more children than ever in the pandemic are being hospitalized for COVID. Quote, the Delta variant is a game changer, and it seems to have a propensity for causing severe disease in children and adolescents. Way to go, you unvaccinated idiots! We're killers. It's like everything we do, we end up killing. Bria sent me a mosquito device that he says really works. But Bria, my question that I want answered is, what else is it killing? I don't know. And speaking of killing, you know, how many, have you, we've all seen these uh, documentaries on those uh, Adorable emperor penguins, those, those wondrous penguins. And they're the pictures of them and them waddling and walking and swimming and taking care of their young. Well, um, a group of global researchers say that the vast majority of them will be extinct in less than 30 years. Two thousand fifty, they expect two thirds of all the emperor penguins in the world to be gone. And those remaining might hang on for another few decades and then extinct. Extinct. These are the largest penguins. 
It's assumed from research that there are about 280,000 breeding pairs. So there's over uh, half a million of these guys in the in the world, and we're killing them off. Now, how are they dying? Well, they're dying because of our love for, you know, fossil fuels and what we've done to the environment. And they're losing the ice that they need to live. Procreate. They're... uh, the ice cover that they rely on has shrunk by over 60%. And um, there are a few large colonies of these penguins that are already gone. I mean, no trace of them. One that had been studied a lot was wiped out in 2016. More than 10,000 chicks are thought to have drowned when the sea ice broke up before they were ready to swim. So I hate to be such a a skunk at the garden party here, guys, but why can't we see what we're doing? Why can't, when we're looking for our own comfort and our own pleasure, why don't we go one step further and ever ask, is what I'm doing a responsible thing for nature? And if you can't get into bugs, which I'm not wild about bugs, but bugs are the food for birds and a whole bunch of other things. You know, it's an ecosystem. And once you wipe out parts of that ecosystem, it all goes to hell, which is what we're seeing. We're just depopulating the world. Amazing. Shame on us. So I'm led to uh, understand that uh, the um, that horrible human being at Fox, why am I blanking on his name? Tucker, Tucker Carlson is what doing his show from Budapest or something? He's from Hungary. Uh, this week, I don't know. Anyway, that he he's going to speak at a conference there. Let me tell you something. Fox News doing this, promoting Hungary, is just exactly, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a marriage made in heaven. Because Hungary, if you've been uh, paying attention, I have callers, but the show's over. Okay, quickly. Anybody there? Quick, quick. Hello? Yeah, Dennis, um, I just wanted to tell you that I totally agree with your stance on, like, COVID shots because I'm someone with a disability who needs attendant care and like it's really difficult to think about life without hope and like 
I need to let people into my home to help me live. So they need to be clear of the virus in order to keep me clear of the virus, even if I don't do anything, which people sometimes don't think about. Are you are you uh, are you told that the people do you know if the people who are coming in I do you are I do right now because I asked them to be and I really like the people I have right now but uh, generally you don't know unless you ask but I've only let people in right now who are vaccinated and I've had the people I've had for a while, so they've been really helpful and supportive, but it makes it really difficult to even just live life in your own home if you have a disability and need support from the outside. Hey, uh, I can't thank you. Thank you for giving us that perspective, your perspective, because I, I hadn't thought of that. You're just like a sitting duck. Yes. Uh, any you and you need you're a duck who needs people to come and help you live yes and many years ago i met you about 30 years ago when wtae had something to do with the telethon for cerebral palsy uh-huh and i was involved with the telethon but my mother and i listened to you for many years she's passed away now but we listened to you for many years on the radio. So oh, wow. We hey, love you. you. <laughs> oh, thank you. And I'm so appreciative of your call. Thank you. I'm glad you got in under the wire. Okay. Good luck. Thank and you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, I don't know. Kevin, is somebody still there? I can take him very quickly. Hello? Hello? No. Okay, I understand. Um, all right, well, that's that's it. I have I had one. Oh, Vic, I just wanted to give you a quote that, that I that I saw. V- Victor Orban, who is the autocrat who has destroyed any semblance of democracy in Hungary, and this is a place that Tucker Carlson and Fox News uh, choose to be affiliated with. Here and here's why: because he's a racist. He is such a racist. He's a homophobe and a racist and a white guy. Okay, here is a quote from Viktor Orban. Just want you to hear this. We do not want to be diverse. We do not want our, no, we do not want our own color, traditions, and national culture to be mixed with those of others. He's quite open about what he sees as the bastardization, the mongrelization of the wonderful, what, Hungarian race? (laughs) What? By anyone who ain't white, heterosexual, Christian. He's an anti-Semite. He's a racist beyond belief. He doesn't let any, he is vile, and Tucker Carlson is loving him. Makes perfect sense. Just in case you're inclined to ever sort of look at Tucker and Fox as, you know, I don't know what. 
oh, they're just doing it for the money. I don't know what they're doing it for. But they kill again. Those are killers and hate mongers. And they should be shunned. Okay, that's it for me. <laughs> I'll see you guys uh, tomorrow, maybe, I hope. Bye-bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.